tried so very hard to keep a love alive. Sing. But you don't want to meet me halfway. Then the understanding dies. There's no way that we can work it out if we won't pull Sing. together. I don't mean to be on, the man, but on. I want some understanding. Uh -huh. I want to be with you. Oh, what I need from you is understanding. How can we communicate if you don't? If you don't hear what Baritone, I say, I'm not participating. Oh, oh, what I need from you is understanding. So simple as one, two, three. Come on, these dynamics. <laughs> understanding is what I need. How That's old? so good. How old were you when this came out? Five. This was in 93. I can't. What do you need understanding about? Other than how to pronounce the words the, thus, this, there, and then. Do you know your colors? <laughs> I tried so very hard <laughs> to keep a love alive. What love are you talking about? You know, I just, this was wrong with us. Bring 90s R&B back, please. Yeah, I'm running late, so just meet me at the let out. Y'all trying to get in, but I'm trying to get out. your name clown <laughs> i'm martin but welcome them to the show first oh well welcome to the let out <laughs> well what i need from you was understanding <laughs> you be missing whole introductions like and we done did this how many times bruh. and it's our podcast my name is on it i'm sick of it your whole face is on it Everybody be blessed. You can send me hate mail if you so desire. Just know what you're doing in this album. I am McBride. What? What you got to say? Go on and say it. Are you, are you sure? I am positive. <laughs> Did you welcome them back to the show? Throw the whole intro away. Welcome to the dang on let out. Where? Well, Slickback got a kickback. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> this is why I don't talk to him. I'm Martin. Who are you? And I'm McBride. Jesus. I, I got that part down, Pat. I mean, the Saints been giving us warning shots, hate mail. People been walking up on us. We back. So sit down, grab your people, and listen to this show because I'm sick of everybody. Look. I can't even say that the block has been hot. I don't know what is happening. I have feel like we are on season three of House of Cards. It does feel that way. Like, where is Frank? Frank did. Didn't he die? Frank did die, but yes. right now it seems like Frank is in the White House running the country. Frank is orange. I'm sick of y'all. So, we might as well start with your president mm. and this new impeachment inquiry which has hit a fever pitch 
The House Intelligence Committee is gathering evidence about whether or not Donald Trump abused the power of his office by encouraging the president of Ukraine, President Jesus. Zelensky, to investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter on bogus corruption charges that no one except for right-wing conspiracy theorists believe to have any validity. The committee has already gotten a big piece of evidence on this front from the White House, which under pressure created um, an intelligence agency whistleblower complaint, which was released on July 25th, I believe. Wow. And it chronicles a conversation had with Zelensky and Trump, which your president says, and I quote, the other thing... There's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about uh, that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Wait, wait, wait. So he's alleging that Joe Biden stopped prosecution. Yeah. For his son. Yeah. um, With corruption in Ukraine with... um, the company that his son has. Yeah, leaking information. Right. So all of this is unfolding. It prompted Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi to present an official impeachment inquiry against the president, citing that not only is he an idiot, her words. <laughs> Go off, Nancy. But he's broken the law in asking um, foreign agents to investigate a potential Democratic opponent in the upcoming election. Now, didn't your president just do that a couple of days ago? Or was it today? On top of that, Jesus! that was the inquiry. Your orange president continuing his furious response to a house, the House impeachment inquiry, he posted a tweet accusing Democrats of wasting everyone's time and energy. So he says, and I quote, the do-nothing Democrats should be focused on building up our country, not wasting everyone's time and energy on bullcrap, like the whole word, bullcrap. He tweeted that. He goes on to say... He said it was bull... shiznick. That part. Mm -hmm. So he goes on to say that... The Democrats have been doing that ever since he got overwhelmingly elected in 2016, 223 to 306. Get a better candidate this time. You'll need it. Jesus. If this isn't enough, your president today fielded questions from the media outside of the White House this morning where he literally removed any shadow of doubt or contradiction by blatantly confirming that he not only suggested that Ukraine investigate the Bidens, but he also called for China to do the same. This man is literally impeaching himself, not to mention he invites China to start a probe or to do investigation on the heels wow, of coming. them coming yeah. to the U.S to work out this trade war that we're in with the tariffs yeah y'all this is this this is a lot so for those of you all that are governmental intercessors this is definitely a time for you to arise and really really start praying through um president trump has given them more than enough evidence just in today alone and i think today is october 3rd just in today alone to where if um 
uh, Councilwoman Nancy Pelosi decided to move forward with impeachment, she she definitely has all rights to do so with evidence that went around the world. I think that interview was at what eleven something yeah, it was this like morning. 11:15. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that that's one part. So governmental. Um, intercessors, definitely this is a moment for you to begin to pray through, specifically about President Trump. If impeachment does take place, what does that mean for our country? Because what we don't want is for Pence to step into this role. That's a whole nother talk show. But in a plot twist, uh-huh. Pence and his team have been distancing he themselves from this whole Ukraine piece. He's been very quiet. He's been very quiet, and I've been wondering about that. All right, so that's for the governmental intercessors. For those that are financial intercessors, those that pray about the money and the currency that um, are touching, you know, the hands of the kingdom, um, right now we've been in tariff, 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 tariff wars with uh, China mm-hmm. and it's another country. I forget, but I know China. China for sure. Um, these tariff wars actually affect the cost of our foods. It affects the cost of our goods. And the United States, as much as we are self-sufficient and thriving, there are just some things that we can't mass produce on our land to feed our people or to service our people in ways. So literally, as the countries, both China and the U.S., are attempting to work out whatever it is that they are working out, the people on the back end are suffering mm-hmm. because the prices have to increase in the market. With prices increasing in the market, a lot of our incomes are staying the same, um, and a lot of people are already having to rob Peter in order to pay Paul. So you will notice that there will be an increase in food, there will be an increase in clothing, there will be an increase in even fuel for your cars and car parts. So be praying through um, that a righteous decision, specifically a righteous decision, be made in these tariff wars between China and the U.S. to where the people are not being oppressed by the financial standard beers of our land. Absolutely. And as intercessors, um, those of you who are prophetic intercessors, um, understanding that one of the characteristics of the prophetic is justice. Yeah. Um, when you are praying concerning corruption, pray that um, the people who are in these seats of authority, um, your congressmen, your senators, um, your representatives who are in Washington, pray that the bravery and the courage yeah. of the Lord find Absolutely. them so that they can have the courage and the wherewithal to stand up and let their voices be heard in the face of the wickedness and the corruption that is happening and pray that um, the light of the Lord will begin to shine in dark areas, in shaded areas, gray areas where corruption is trying to rear its head and really just take root and take hold. Pray that the light of the Lord will shine into those areas, um, areas of um, not just the executive branch of government, but the judicial Judicial. branch of of government Mm -hmm. as well. Praying that um, uh, specifically in Psalms, it says at the entrance of your word, there is light. light. So yeah. praying that the light of the Lord will begin to shine in various areas of government and that specific people, judges, senators, um, councilwomen, um, even on a local level, that these people will have the bravery and um, the courage and the tenacity of the Lord to speak truth to power in these places of authority. That's so good. 
That's so good. What we got? All right. Uh, so retired Baltimore Raven fullback Laron McClain okay. took to Twitter um, a couple of weeks ago pleading for help dealing with head and brain troubles. My he said God. resulted from playing football. So this retired fullback went to Twitter, went to social media, which is completely problematic. Why is it that you have to go to social media in order to be heard instead of being able to sit down with the right people and have the right conversations? Huh, different talk show for a different day. Reports show on an increasing number of retired NFL players who have suffered repetitive hits to the head, have developed memory and cognitive issues such as dementia, Alzheimer's, depression, chronic traumatic uh, encephalopathy. Um, encephalopathy, also identified as CTE, is a de degenerative disease of the brain and is associated with repeated head traumas like concussions. So this reminds me of the movie Will Smith did, I want to say two years ago, called Concussion. Uh -huh. um, and the NFL actually wanted to put sanctions against the movie um, being put out, saying that, you know, the, the movie was falsifying information, it really wasn't real, but here we are with a live and in color concussion movie unraveling itself before us. Um, the NFL acknowledged a, concussion, a connection between football and CTE for the first time in 2016 and has since rolled out initiatives intended to increase the game's safety and to prevent and treat head injuries. But McCain says that he hasn't received any treatment that he needs at all and has called on the NFL to help. This is what he said, quote unquote, I have to get my head checked. Playing fullback since high school, it takes too effing much to do anything. My brain is effing tired. At the NFL, I need some help with this bleep word. Uh, dark times and it's showing. Effing help me, please. Again, the fact that this brother felt the need. The only way that he could get some attention was to go to social media. It's, it's problematic. All right, so... McLean was um, a part of a fourth-round draft pick in 2017 for the University of Alabama. He's played seven seasons in the league for the Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, and San Diego Chargers. So he's played on a number of teams um, for the majority of his career, and he's actually had four seasons with the Ravens. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with this one because I think it also leans into health disparities that black and brown people actually experience. You know, he's not the only fullback that's in the NFL that has had to deal with, you know, CTE or brain degenerative type diseases. Um, but he's one of those that had to take to social media in order to get help. I wonder would it be a thing if he was a white male? I think my pushback for all of this is the startling um, statistics that show that medical professionals do not believe Ooh. black and brown yep. faces when they are coming mm -hmm. in and we are complaining about health scares and things that are happening in our bodies we are not taken seriously or we're just brushed off. Case in point, a great example would be Kim Porter, Diddy's um, baby mama yeah. that died a couple of months, months ago. ago. Mm -hmm. um, what was reported is that she literally went to the doctor to complain of chest pains they sent her home and she died days later. Wow. Furthermore, we can talk about the fact that there are black and brown athletes 
who are in the NFL, who are in the NBA, who are in even hockey that yeah. they play and they are hired um, for uh, our entertainment. However, when they are complaining about disparities in their bodies, inconsistencies in their bodies and their health, they're not taken seriously. Now, this is coming from a bona fide Patriots fan. I am Patriots to my bones. I love. First of all, you said that too. Yeah, but I, it was, I was a, just agreeing. It was a little razzle dazzle on it. Fam, like good, bad, or indifferent, I am rolling with my boys. However, how different would this roll out if Tom Brady suffered multiple concussions and saying, hey, fam, something is not right? How quick would people run to the aid of one Tom Brady? And I think, medically speaking, they don't want you to have any concussions, but if you do, I think two is pushing it. Yeah. They want you to sit down when you have to, concussions. And and I think it also needs to be talked about the fact that there are athletes who literally have um, these concussions, they have these disparities, again, in their bodies, these inconsistencies in their health, in their body, and they pay off physicians. Mm-hmm. To, to give them, them the clear bill of health, the green light, so that they can play. Yeah. Over and over, statistically, we are being showed that black and brown bodies, Don't our lives, matter. are not worth a nickel's worth of dog meat. And I said that. I could really pause and dig in there, but let's move on. What do we have? Right. <laughs> so, if unless you've been living under a rock, I'm pretty sure you have noticed that Chick-fil-A, Popeye's, and now even KFC with this Beyond Meat mess. Um, it's been absolutely pandemonium. It it's ignorant. Like, are y'all okay? Y'all are not okay. No. i not. So a positive spin on that is um, there was a young man who was in North Carolina. He saw the long lines at Popeye's who... who have now discontinued uh, the chicken sandwich (laughs) and said, bring your own bread, fam. Like, first of all... The fact that I gotta bring my own bread... Are y'all okay? I will fry some chicken in my house. Are you... And the chicken ain't that good. Fam. Yeah, I said ain't that good. It's not. It's not. So, with all of the hype around... They stole the secret spices from somebody's grandmama. Let's just go on and put it out there. Somebody grandmama named LaBertha Rose. Roberta. <laughs> Essie. Ida May. <laughs> Mamie. Odessa. They call her May. Hun. Ella May. Leela. What? So, with all of the hype around this chicken sandwich, a savvy teenager saw a chance to make a difference in his community. The long lines outside of a Charlotte restaurant signaled a chance for him and a group of others to engage people and remind them to vote. Shout out to you. Yeah, man. That's so beautiful. David Ledbetter, 17, spent his Saturdays walking up to people outside of a local Popeyes and handing out sample ballots and voter registration forms. He says, quote, we are seeing how long the lines were 
and figured that we would try to get individuals to vote. They provided people with the voter information and gave them forms to fill out on their own. The group ran out of voter registration forms and pamphlets wow. after speaking with dozens upon dozens of people, but they didn't uh, keep an exact count. Ledbetter brainstormed the voter engagement idea with the local attorney, Stephanie Sneed, who is running for the local school board. They came up with the idea together um, and they rolled it out. So that was a positive spin yeah. on this whole Popeye's debacle. Now, we thank God for the Popeye's sandwich and all of that stuff. Um, just the tee hee moment. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that we're able to enjoy the sandwich um, and enjoy all of the delectable chicken. But I just feel like, you know, maybe a good five, ten years from now, there's going to be a commercial that says, hey, if you purchased a Popeye's chicken sandwich in 2019, please call this number because there's a possibility you have Meslo Thelioma. Yikes. Yeah, like, I, I feel like it's something in this chicken. So that's one. And how so you're basically saying that the people of God are going to have asbestos in their bones. Damn. Ate up in a species. Cause you went around there, <laughs> but it's not going on Popeye's. Ate up Yikes. in asbestos. The body gonna turn into an asbestos bloom. Yikes. Anywho, um, I was thinking about in us, you know, researching this story, I was thinking about on Baby Boy. Yeah. Um, where uh Ben Rain's character. Melvin. Melvin, he starts talking about guns and butter, right? Uh -huh. Um, I think that we are in a generation of the butter. We are um, hype about the next fad of clothes that's coming out, the next fad of shoes that's coming out, Kanye's Super Sunday. Um, we're hype about these chicken sandwiches, and we're so hype about these chicken sandwiches to the point to where we're jumping through um, drive through windows Fact. to fight employees. Fact. We're turning up in the restaurant. Pulling we're cussing out, out. All of this about a sandwich, but... When you have issues with voter registrations being lost for an entire demographic of people, hey Atlanta, um, during one of the major elections of our time, there's no cries of outrage. That there's part. no turning up at the polls. There's none of that like we're, we're quiet. Or even now, um, just within um, a zone surrounding the community that my church is located in, within the city of Atlanta, we have a. Um, a typhoon, like a, a very, very, very wealthy individual that has moved or positioned himself to buy up acres of land in the hood that has been historically black, right? Um, he's bought this land at an extremely low rate. Houses surrounding our church are selling for twenty and $30,000. Individuals that don't look like us are moving in mm -hmm. and purchasing these properties and sitting on it because they realize that within a matter of three to five years, property value is going to explode. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, I am looking out our windows week after week to individuals who look like me, who are fighting in parking lots over malt liquor, mm -hmm. who are fighting in parking lots over illegal drugs, mm -hmm. And they don't know that their neighborhood is being bought up from them and that they will literally be obsolete in this environment within the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. We're excited about butter, but none of us have guns. 
as Melvin talked about, and not the literal guns, but things that actually don't depreciate in value, um, but you can actually move something with them. You can't do much with butter. You can put it on your food and butter will actually kill you. It'll destroy you. Um, yeah. But where, where are we with guns? You know, we're, we, we have our mouths on people and what it is that folks are doing, but when's the last time you've had a group text thread where you and your homies decided that y'all were going to dump at least $5,000 a piece into purchasing a property together and sitting on it until the property value shoots up so that you can flip it and sell it and everybody gets dividends off of it? So speaking of this tycoon that is sweeping through the city and buying up everything in Metropolitan, it reminds me of Jay-Z, and we talk a lot about mm-hmm. Jay-Z like he is the next black civil rights activist when <laughs> this man is a capitalist yes, through and is. through. He has repeatedly said, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. man. And it's like he consecutively, consistently tells us who he is, and, and for whatever it. reason, we don't believe him. So how, do, how, how are we mad when he's looking to turn a profit? Or even, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, how do we... Because we're the culture of secure the bag. R. He's securing the bag. R. So you can't be mad at him securing the bag. Even with him, you know, now being responsible for the halftime show for the, 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 the NFL um, this year. And in the process of that, we find out that he did some stuff against Colin Kaepernick. He knew about, like, you can't be mad. This man has told us consistently who he is. That part. And he's a byproduct of the culture that we say we, su- we support. Go ahead, bro. Secure the bag. All right, sis, get in your bag. He's in his bag. And at the end of the day, <laughs> do we want a seat at the table so bad that at the expense of our brother or our sister that we undermine the work that they're trying to do to get a seat or a voice at the table? Hell yeah, we'll do it. And I, excuse me for the saved years, but yes, we will do it. We have no morals. At all. What moral? I'm in my bag. Let me secure my bag. Even if it means that I got to run my mama over in a car, I secured my bag. Are you okay? You burn her with a cigarette. Bust in the face with a bottle. Moving on. And your mama listen to this pot. I'm not subscribed. I mean, I'm not saying that I would bust my mama in the face with a bottle. I'm just saying what, you know, the generations Your mama got them hands, too. That wasn't me. My mom really has the hands. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. I think my mama is every bit of five foot three. I think she can lift me off my feet with no problem. All right. So the state of Oklahoma wins its case against drug makers in a historic opiate trial. Jesus. An Oklahoma judge um, uh, a few weeks ago, actually, ordered Johnson & Johnson and its subsidiaries to pay $572 million to help abate the, opiate, the opioid crisis in the state. This was a landmark decision likely to reverberate in lawsuits across the country. So if you have been sleeping under a rock, you know that the climate in the United States now, especially as it pertains to pharmaceuticals, is absolutely trash. Um, A couple of years ago, it was with Oxycontin, where people um, were wilding out just to get a hold of the pills that were prescribed to them because of medical issues that they had. Well, now... Yeah, it's, it's a whole crisis. Um, the case was 
closely watched as a federal judge in Ohio oversees more than 2,000 lawsuits filed by city, county, and tribal governments across the nation against manufacturers, distributors, and retailers of prescription painkillers. The Oklahoma ruling came in the first state opioid case to reach trial. The state previously settled with Oxycontin maker Purdue Pharma and Israel's Tava Pharmaceutical for a total of more than, catch this, $350 million. Yikes. The opioid crisis is an imminent danger and menace to us all. Cleveland County Judge Thad Balkman, mm -hmm. the defendant's misleading marketing and promotion of opioids compromised the health and safety of thousands. So literally for years and for decades, the pharmaceutical companies have been selling us these medications, not necessarily letting the consumers know the high addictive properties in what it is we're taking or consuming into our bodies. Um, the lead lawyers for the federal litigation issued a statement calling Oklahoma ruling a critical step for their consolidated cases ahead of a trial set to begin on October 21st. So definitely be praying through that, that the justice of the Lord prevail even against Big Pharma because a lot of people have been destroyed, a lot of families have been destroyed in the name of Big Pharma. Um, and for some of us, it's a lot closer than what we think. It's a whole lot closer. Mm -hmm. um, honorable mention would be the fact that Purdue Pharma has filed for bankruptcy in the wake of a judgment of a $3 billion payout. How much? $3 billion payout Ooh. in this opioid war. The company awaits a court order that will decide if they can continue to sell this drug um, at the center of this crisis, which is OxyContin. And that's problematic, again, so I guess going back to the conversation that we just previously had, secure the bag. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we're still having to have a conversation about the selling of Oxycontin when one, we know that it is highly addictive, and two, we know how disastrous how disastrous this has been to people across the country. Because the saints, the old saints say, well, maybe not the old saints, but the old folks used to say, money talks, bull crap walks. Well, it was the old saints that said it. Yeah, it was, because I'm, I'm Baptist. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, man. How do we begin to pray through this entire situation? Because it is a situation. So I had an opportunity to intercede for an individual um, who went to college, um, graduated with a degree in phlebotomy. Eventually, the individual went back to school, got a nursing's degree. Um, the person ended up in a toxic marriage. In the marriage, um, the spouse that they were married to um, was a salesman um, of drugs. And this person worked in the medical field as a nurse. Well, eventually that person ended up addicted to the pain pills that they were supposed to have been giving their patients. Wow. So much so to the point to where they were stealing prescriptions from the doctor's office that they were working in. Um, eventually it got so bad to where the person lost their nursing license in a particular state in the South. Now, here it is, they're fully educated, no longer able to work in the field because their addiction is driving their lives. They may be homeless now, I don't know. Um, the children is being raised by other family members like 
it has literally destroyed their lives. So in the midst of me praying with this individual, um, it's one of those things where you can't pray somebody out of an addiction. It's something that they have to make up in their mind to do. So no matter how much money you try to put towards, you know, putting them in a rehab, it's, it's a decision that has to be made because there's a substance that's controlling their inhibitions. Um, as far as how to navigate through that as an intercessor, I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know because I can't say that this addiction was brought on by way of trauma, you know, or this addiction was brought on by way of um, rejection. No, this was literally somebody tasting something and said, oh, I see that this is good. Let me let me stay with it. And it, it began to control their lives. Um, how do you pray through, you know, individuals having back injuries and being prescribed this and now they're addicted to it and they're not able to shake it. They need it to stay out of chronic pain, but it's ruling their lives. I honestly don't know how to navigate through that in prayer. I think this will be a great opportunity for mercy intercessors. Mm. Those who the Bible talks about having bowels of compassion, yeah. bowels of mercy, um, not just to pray that the justice of the Lord hits um, the doctors who are benefiting off of this and the pharmaceutical executives mm -hmm. who are benefited off, benefiting off of the lives of um, their consumers being in shambles and shattered, but really praying for um, the brokenness that is driving people to these drugs and to these substances um, and even to become addicted by them. Yeah. Praying that God will expose the brokenness of these individuals and give strategy on how to heal from that brokenness and how to tackle it. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs that um, the just shall be delivered through knowledge mm -hmm. so asking that we have in the place of prayer that God begins to download strategies um, and just give us a heart of compassion and mercy and a lot of times we don't pray about a lot of things because it doesn't hit home and we don't have that personal yeah. connection that tenacity in prayer to really go after a thing because it's not touching um, those that are in close proximity to us but um, maybe your thought process would change if you would understand that the person that you're listening to was actually addicted to prescription medication. Mm. Pills and vodka was my thing mm -hmm. and it came about through having surgery but actually the brokenness that I was experiencing in my soul used those things that were supposed to be helping me manage pain mm -hmm. began to use that as a coping mechanism to drown and to fill the void that only God could fill in my life. How many people that you are serving with in sacred spaces yep. are bound are with a, are bound to the spirit of addiction and um, dealing with um, different spirits of pharmacaea and things of that nature be it um, Oxycontin or Vicodin, Percocet uh, CBD um, edibles, whatever how many people are you walking past on a consistent basis in these sacred spaces that are bound by the spirit of addiction and because we don't have the sensitivity in the place of prayer, we don't have that um, 
bowel, those bowels of mercy and compassion. We're just walking past them. Say it's a sad, it's a sad day to be serving in the house of the Lord and the people that you're serving with are losing their minds. minds. They're losing their lives, their vitality, their livelihood. And we won't even look up. We won't even step outside of ourselves long enough to recognize like, hey fam, something ain't right. You up in here zooted, and nobody no, nobody will say anything because we enjoy how you sing us into the dimensions. How many worship leaders and how yeah. many prophets are and how many musicians are using controlled substances to tap into different dimensions in the spirit to uh, sing you and to play you and to pray you and prophesy you into healing and deliverance and wholeness, and they're bound. They're bound. I feel a soapbox moment, so we're going to move on. Amen. Because we can go. What we got? Mighty God. Sean King, mighty savior. Okay, okay. Sean King has been being dragged by black Twitter as not being black. He's been labeled as hashtag Talcomex. (laughs) Hell. I'm sorry. So on the heels of Sean talking about Jay-Z being responsible for the blacklisting of Colin Kaepernick, um, Info emerged with King identifying as a white man. Mm. So, Sean King's integrity... You mean to tell me he, uh, what's her name, Rachel? uh, Dolezal? Dolezal. Yeah. Get out. Okay. (laughs) So, Sean King's integrity... You are stupid. My God. Look, I just asked the question. His integrity has been called into question a lot lately, and now it appears that his wife, Ray, is stepping up not only to defend her man, but also to clap back at one of his most vocal critics, which is activist D. Ray McKisson. So last week... McKesson took to social media to share a medium piece that echoed the sentiments of those who find themselves questioning Sean King's methods, motives, and fundraising tactics. Mm-hmm. D-Ray is asking, where the money at? And that's a valid question to ask. And just because somebody is asking you to be accountable for the money that you raise, that doesn't mean that people are attacking you. I think that there should be a conversation, not just as it relates to Sean King, but just in general, even in sacred spaces. It feels like there are individuals who get to certain heights or certain prominence, um, be that in um, civic arenas or sacred arenas, where they reach this level of prominence and it's like they're above criticism. Mm-hmm. Houseway. How? How? But, too, I think that this is a historic narrative that we're seeing play out. Um, something similar like this happened with Marcus Garvey yes. um, with the UN, the UNIA movement mm-hmm. um, of the 1950s and the 1940s where he was talking about uh, chartering a luxury ship back to Africa when he started that whole movement of Africa Africa for the the Africans and um, people started buying these bonds and these stock and um, insurance policies and he raised millions of dollars and then all of a sudden the movement goes bankrupt where in the ham sandwich did this money go Marcus now 
Mr. Garvey was phenomenal in what he did. Um, he was phenomenal in bringing, raising up a resilience of black proud pride and black pride and um, taking honor in who we were and being descendants of Africans. Great. But that business acumen piece from a historic narrative. And the, the, the reality is, I'm not saying that Sean King is an awful human being. Oh, what no, I not. am saying is, fam, answer the questions. Answer because the question. word on the street is, is that if you are familiar with um, Atlanta. She sure did. Yep. Talk about Saints it. Saints been talking about Sean King's been cloud chasing for years. And that. He came to a sense of prominence on the heels of that whole Eddie Long piece with where, uh, yeah, with that whole Total Grace joint. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. I remember Sean King coming to uh, the college, my undergrad college, um, asking us to support him in building his church, launching his church. And I remember the dean of the chapel was like, no, we're good. Our students will not be a part of this. I remember that. And I remember when his church disbanded and how it displaced a lot of people because mm -hmm. it was a church with a strong social justice flair. Mm -hmm. And when it disbanded, it's like, where do the people go? But more so, too, where did this money go that your church raised? Where where, where did that go? And it's like we see it over and over again. We see it with, uh, we saw it with Marcus Garvey, as you have mentioned before. Mm -hmm. um, we see it with Sean King and um, questions arising where the revenue and the funds for all of these initiatives are going. It's even seen with Dr. Umar Johnson uh, with that charter Umar. school. Yeah. We still don't know where that money is. And ain't no charter school. But okay, right, y'all ain't gonna talk about Uber. I like Uber. That's because you, ooh, ooh, okay. that's because what? Don't say it. Cause you're halfway misogynistic, just like him. I said. Oh that. no, I'm not misogynistic. I love the woman. No, I'm I'm really not misogynistic. I am definitely pro-black, and I have to deal with my levels of color consciousness because it can't tip over to be racist um, or segregationist. You are misogynistic How? because okay. every time let, I see you, this, let's, let's work this through. Every time I see, and I have art in my heart because every time I, I see you, you be trying to wipe my eyebrows off. First of all, they're not coming off. Well, mm -hmm. if you wanted to come up into the church with all of this war paint on your face, huh? Who who who, who did you come to lift up? Was it Charlie Martin? Or was it the risen light? You gonna stop using my government name who, on this podcast? Who is it? I know that. Who, who did you come to lift? Because these eyebrows are real haughty. So I come to wipe them off to keep you humble before God. I want your prayers answered. Huh? So he can't answer my prayers with my face looking like something? No. You got to be ashy-faced. Do you see my lips when I pray? They be ashy. That's how I get access. The ash give you access. That's a shirt. Ash give you access. You will be wearing that by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> get on my nerves. Moving on. All right, so I don't know if you all have been following us for a while, but if you are an authentic, problematic cousin, this story will definitely make your baby leave. What so, you about to talk about? New Jersey referee is suspended for two years over forced haircut of wrestler with dreadlocks. That was season one. That was season one. Yes, ma'am. All right, so the New Jersey, the New Jersey Attorney General's Division of Civil Rights concluded its 
investigation into a high school referee who forced an Atlantic County wow. wrestler to choose between keeping his long locked hair or forfeiting a match. The teenage Buna Region high school wrestler Andrew Johnson acquiesced to having his finger link locks cut prior to a match against the rival school December 2018. And now, nearly a year later, Alan Maloney, the referee who issued the ultimatum, will be suspended for two seasons per an agreement between the state and the New Jersey State Interscholastic Athletic Association. The agreement also requires implicit bias training for officials and staff involved in high school sports statewide by June 2021. Johnson identifies as a mixed race, and many observers question whether Maloney forced the haircut because of the locked hairstyle. Student athletes should be able to compete with each other on a level playing field, said Attorney General Goober Gruel in a press release. Racial discrimination in the enforcement of the rules of any sports is inconsistent with the spirit of fair play. The Civil Rights Division also released new guidance on racial discrimination based on hairstyles that warn treating people differently due to hairstyles may violate the state's anti-disciplinary laws. The guidance offers help to prevent such incidents in the future, saying the policies that ban or restrict hairstyles associated with being black may be illegal. First of all, I applaud everyone yeah. involved with absolutely. holding this man absolutely accountable. Yeah. Number B, shout out to every problematic cousin out there who have your antennas up yep. to say, hey, McBride, hey, Martin, remember yep. when you Y'all were talked talking about, about this? this? Yep. Shout out to you. I think... Brianna Love tagged us she did. on the shade room like yep. uh this was on a let out so shout out to you you're the problematic cousin of the month absolutely now I do have an issue here though okay I feel like that he should not have been suspended for two years I actually feel like he should have lost his job absolutely so I, I am grateful that some disciplinary action was taken but I feel like it, he really, he really should have been removed. Just because you go through these um, uh, civil trainings and these trainings to bring about a level of awareness uh, for people that don't necessarily look like you, there's still a possibility that your 50-plus-year-old self will still function in levels of discrimination because a student doesn't necessarily look like you. Well, since we're here, we mm -hmm. might as well talk about Botham Jean and how well. um, his murder case, the white officer oh. goes to trial, okay? She is found guilty, and they sentence her to 10 years. 10. 10. Yeah. For murder. Yeah. Matter of fact, that shouldn't even, that really, if you look at it, that's not even considered murder. That's like manslaughter. It's manslaughter. She wasn't charged with right. murder. It was manslaughter. Yes. Ten years and she will serve half of that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, since we're here, let's talk about Keontre Barfield, mm -hmm. the black man in Ohio who killed Jethro, the police dog. This brother got 34 years sentenced 34 years and that was this year in the state of Ohio 
Or let's talk about Jason Van Dyke, the Chicago cop who murdered Laquan McDonald, the 17-year-old boy who was unarmed, who really wasn't doing anything illegal, but was gunned down. Guess how many years Jason Van Dyke got? Six of them. So when it comes down to discrepancies as it pertains to justice being fairly issued out to black and brown people juxtaposed to our contemporary non-melanated individuals, um, the scales of Lady Liberty are imbalanced. Oh, they're absolutely, <laughs> fam, they're practically non-existent. Well, if you can give this woman 10 years who walks into this man, this unarmed black man's apartment, shoot him in cold blood. Her and lie super, about it. Lie about it. Her supervisor tells them to turn off their body cams. Yes. So there's absolute corruption there. She gets 10 years, and you mirror that and parallel that to a Kwame Kilpatrick in Ooh. Detroit Ooh. who was convicted of fraud. Yep. A non-violent non crime, yep. and he gets 28 years that he has to serve full out, and this girl gets 10 years? Well, since we're here and we're digging, let's talk about how she's a natural brunette, but for the sake of the trial, they dyed her hair blonde. Then, on top of them dyeing her hair blonde, they also um, dressed her up in very form-fitting attire. When typically, whenever you're going to trial, lawyers tell those that they are representing to um, remove themselves from form-fitting clothing, anything that would bring a level of attention or haltiness to them in the court of law. Why did you demand that her hair be dyed blonde? Why did it's, you? It sounds about white. Oh, okay. I said that. Okay. And specifically, it was white femininity that was on trial. The white femininity that spark the purity movement. Oh, wall slide! The white, oh. the white femininity that puts sanctions as it relates to religious freedoms yep. to police yep. brown and black bodies yep. that were being victimized by their white slave owner husbands. Yep. I mean, oh. we can we can put mash the gas. We we can mash the gas, but we got more in this show, and then oh. we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back. We're gonna come Sick back. Of it. Ooh, I need you to pray to the Lord of heaven and earth and really get out there and do what you need to do the because polls. these judges and these people that get into office, they get into these points and these uh, seats of authority um, by the lack of our vote um, and even who we vote for that uphold mandatory or uh, mandatory minimums and maximums, there's no way that uh, a white woman can kill a black man in cold blood when we have brown and black men and women who are behind bars serving life sentences 34 plus crime. years for drug trafficking. Yep. Are you kidding me? And, and to tag along with that, hear me. Hear me, not all skin folk are kin folk. Come on, Kamala the, Harris. The individual that I was sitting, that. the individual that was sitting as the judge for this particular trial, pulled up some fugazi with bringing up about the castle law. Unpack that. 
So essentially, the castle law is another form of stand your ground. It essentially says that if an individual is inside the home of another individual, they are essentially in their castle. It's called the, the uh, I am the king of the castle, I am the queen of the castle. So because Jessica assumed that this house or this apartment was her apartment, she was therefore the queen of the castle, and by any means necessary, she could have defended herself because she thought this was her home. So because she thought that this was her home and she was queen of the castle, they brought about the castle law. They basically said she was standing her ground because this African-American man in his home, his castle, was presented as a threat to her. Now, everybody that just said, what? Child. That's the same way I felt when this law was presented. Go ahead and research it. Go ahead and do the due diligence to read about it. It is called the castle law. It was absolutely an African-American female judge that brought that about in that trial. All kinfolk ain't skinfolk. That's all I'm saying. So even in your your due diligence to vote, make sure that you vote with Holy Ghost and power, okay? And not just be out here voting for everybody that's black. That's the dumbest thing ever. I said that. I mean, listen, you know how I feel about Kamala Harris, so here we are. <sighs> all right. I'm sick of it. Pittsburgh baseball player Felipe Vasquez is facing statutory charges describing an encounter with a 13-year-old as sex, but not really sex. Wait, what? Pittsburgh Pirates all-star closer Felipe Vasquez admitted to a 2017 sexual encounter with a 13-year-old girl that he described as sex but not really, according to a Pennsylvania criminal complaint released um, earlier this month. Vasquez, who is 28, was arrested and faces charges of statutory sexual assault, unlawful contact with a minor, and other um, counts. CNN sought comment multiple times by phone and email from Vasquez attorneys. The player's agent did not respond to the email seeking comment. The case stems from an August 2017 encounter with a teenage girl in his Ford Mustang at the bottom of the driveway of her home in Scottsdale, about 30 miles east of Pittsburgh. The complaint goes on to say when confronted by police Vasquez said that he didn't remember the girl's name but acknowledged knowing her after seeing a photo he told police that the girl first messaged him on Instagram but said he initially refused to communicate with her due to her age the accused advised the victim um that he that the victim looked too young rather and that she appeared to be 16 years of age or younger Mm-mm. so vasquez described the encounter to investigators as sex but not really because he could not fit his penis entirely into the victim's vagina sir are you okay it was penetration that was sex the girl told police that vasquez gave up and that Vasquez told police that he told the girl he needed to leave because the Pirates had a game that night. As recently as July 2019, he contacted the girl with a lewd message, according to the complaint. So Vasquez, a two-time All-Star, 
who's among the National League leaders in uh, saves this season alone, began messaging the teen on social media in 2017, and they exchanged phone numbers, according to the complaint. So the complaint also said that Vasquez and the girl exchanged explicit photos of themselves as well. Honorable mention, Paul Kane, 65 years old, was being held Friday in Harris County Jail on charges of sexual abuse of a child and sexual assault of a child. The Harris County Sheriff's Office said in a statement that an investigation began in June of 2019 when the victim told others she had been abused. Investigators say Kane used his phone to send several sexually explicit messages to the girl. They also allege that evidence was found showing he sexually assaulted the girl, catch this, on several occasions last year when the victim was 13 years old. According to authorities, Kane serves as the pastor, the pastor of New Kane Missionary Baptist Church for nearly two decades. That's 20 years. He's currently being held for a $200,000 bond. Listen, all of you grown people out here, keep your vittles, fiddles, and missiles out of these kids. Stop touching folks. Have you lost it? All of these grown people out here ready to receive? Come and move. We say yes to you. I may be young, but I'm ready. And you out here trying to get you a drip, drip, drop off of a child. I don't like it and I ain't for it. I would go, I would, I would go to jail. It this would be capital murder. Murder is the charge they gave me and I did it. It's my child? Okay, Snoop. Oh, I would black out. I'm sorry. Snoop McBride, okay. Murder was the case that they gave I'm busting your kneecaps. I'm busting your ankles. I will do this in remembrance of him. Are you okay? I will march you from Judge Mahal to Judge Mahal. In court, McBride. Okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And Vasquez... I, I hope that they charge him to the full extent of the law. It's sex, but it's not really sex because I couldn't fit myself inside this girl. What? You gotta be oh. slow. He has to have concussions. He's concussion. <laughs> and he's concussed. He got dementia. All, All times. Twice. <laughs> I man, listen. Speaking of grown folks touching children. Oh God. The woman who bailed out R. Kelly now wants her money back. Girl, shut up. (laughs) When singer R. Kelly was arrested earlier this year on sexual charges, South Suburban restaurant owner Valencia Love paid his $100,000 bail to get him out of Cook County Jail. Then a few months later, Kelly was arrested on federal charges out of a New York and out of New York and Chicago and ordered held in federal detention where he remains awaiting trial um, in those courts. It led an attorney for love to ask a Cook County judge on Tuesday to give her her money back. There's been a substantial change in circumstances. Attorney John Collins told Cook County Judge Lawrence Flood. She didn't know that New York was going to indict. She didn't know that Minnesota was going to indict. She didn't know that Northern District of Illinois was going to indict. Part of Love's concern, as voiced by Collins, is that her bail money could end up going to pay Kelly's court costs or attorney fees at the end of his trial. Ma'am, 
you gave that money up. Girl. Let, let it go. Let it go. And isn't there some new developments in Kelly's trial? Apparently, R. Kelly, as of this week, yesterday, is being held in Chicago Cook County Jail without bond. What? So, R. Kelly was ordered to be held without bond following an arraignment hearing in federal court this week. So he's charged with 13 new counts of federal sex crimes involving minors and obstruction of justice. Last week, the singer was indicted on multiple federal charges in Chicago and New York, where a separate indictment returned in Brooklyn accuses him, get this, of racketeering and sex trafficking. Federal Judge Harry Lennonweber these names he gotta be he gotta be Jewish he's Jewish he gotta be Jewish this judge called the charges extra extraordinarily serious as he denied Kelly's bond so Aura his attorney Steve Greenberg said that he had been expecting that R. Kelly get out on bond this week and he said that they're now evaluating their options um, R. Kelly has been in jail since he was arrested while walking his dog last week near his Trump Tower apartment in what Chicago. What happened to the dog? What they do with the dog? He went to the pound. Roger, get out. Oh. I don't... <sighs> I'm sorry. It's not the fact that you asked about the dog. It's the fact that it was heartfelt. It really was. <laughs> it was heartfelt. I want to know what happened. If, if you're walking your dog and you get arrested, what happens to your pet? Your pet get in, in arrested too? Or they just leave the dog on the side of the curb? What the hell is going on between the sheets and my... Baby, wait, let me explain before you start to put your game. Oh, my God. So Greenberg tried to <laughs> argue that his client Jesus. is not a flight risk because he's broke has always shown up for court cases in the past, and according to Greenberg, does not like to fly. But federal prosecutors called the 52-year-old an extreme danger to humans, especially minor girls. As part of the indictment filed in Chicago, Kelly has been charged with one count of conspiracy to receive child pornography, two counts of receiving child pornography, four counts of producing child pornography, five counts of enticement of a minor to engage in criminal sexual activity, and one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice. Fam, 2 Chainz said, I'ma be fresh as hell if the feds watching. He going down. If they don't get him in Cook County, they New, New York, York is going to... New York ain't playing. Oh, my God. Obstruct racketeering? I have an issue. Tag me in. I have issues. Go. So if they're coming after Robert Kelly, they also need to come after said president, Donald J. Trump. Because Donald was also out here grabbing women by... They hoo-ha. They, he right? Said he said it. But it wasn't just women. It was also girls, too. They have evidence, they have pictures, they have videos. So if you're coming after Robert Kelly, you need to go out after Jay Trump. 
what 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 happened with the whole Trump thing? That was like swept under the rug. We ain't heard no more about the the sexual harassment charges that were being brought against him. But they for sure hell sent Bill Cosby down. Did him and his Jello pudding? My God, too far. Okay. So since we're here talking about indictment, Democratic donor Ed Buck was hit with a federal felony charge. So if you remember season one, we Mm -hmm. talked about this gentleman named Ed Buck, who is the California Democrat, uh, Democratic mega donor who is accused of running a drug den. He showed his face in court Thursday, the first time he's been seen since being busted on felony charges. Ed appeared in court for the first time wearing a blue jumpsuit, but he did not enter a plea. Uh, Mr. Buck is charged with three felony counts, battery causing ser- serious injury, administrating, uh, administering rather methamphetamine and maintaining a drug house. Before Buck's court appearance, the last time he was seen in public came when he was slumped in the back of a cop car and hauled away from his West Hollywood home during uh, the arrest, which occurred after another person OD'd at his apartment. apartment. As we've reported, prosecutors claimed that Ed Buck injected a man with meth at his residence, causing a non-fatal overdose. Prosecutors also allege that Buck wields his power to uh, manipulate victims to participate in his sexual fetishes, often by administering them narcotics. Uh, Ed Buck's arrest came after months of public scrutiny following two men's fatal overdoses inside his home, men who were African-American. The men died 18 months apart, the first in July 2017 and the second um, in January 2019. Ed's arraignment has been continued uh, to next month. I mean, just be quiet, man of God. Because if, yeah, because what I, I have a plethora of cuss words, so to protect oh, my witness. Okay, well. Ed Book has been doing this crap for years. Ed Book is like, a principality. Ed Book is a. I had a dream that a principality was living in human flesh, had literally taken over bodies. I think Ed Book is a manifestation of that dream. And I think that there are several more Ed Books. Just as there are several more Roger Stones. Uh huh. And I think that the only reason why information is now being leaked about Ed Book is because he pissed somebody off. Those type of people are protected by people in high places, other people in high places. Just like a uh, 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 little fella that was in federal prison that mysteriously killed himself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, what was his name? I don't remember that man's name. But he mysteriously committed suicide. Yeah. And he had information on... Sex trafficking. Yeah. He was a billionaire. Yeah. Think about yeah. the corporations, the politicians, the executives. I even think that that man had connections to the White House. He did. They killed him. Yeah. And labor suicide. Absolutely, to protect the interest of those who are in high places. How do we pray through this? Well, 
I think one, we strategically begin to pray warfare prayers against spiritual wickedness in high places and praying that their seats of influence be utterly torn down um, and that they be ejected out of those places. That's one. But then two, I think also praying the prayer of Amos that the justice of our Lord will flow like streams of water um, and loosing the water of justice in high places. Um, I think also praying through that those um, those lines of communications between those various relationships be utterly interrupt, um, disintegrated, and destroyed um, so that the relationships can be confounded so that we can begin to bust up networks and nestings. Um, also praying that they begin to turn on each other like the, the enemies did, mm-hmm. um, the tribe of Judah with sending Judah first and all of a sudden the enemies begin to turn on each other and fight and destroy each other praying those types of prayers that um, the spirit of the Lord run through spaces of influences to where those that were once confederates of wickedness now begin to turn on each other praying that civil war breaks out in the enemy's camp Absolutely, yeah. and that the spirit of truth will begin yeah. as fog and smoke to um, really just rise yeah. in these places of influence and in these seats of authority, just like smoke under a door. Absolutely, that the uh, spirit of truth and that the justice of the Lord will prevail in areas of influence. And also, too, praying that God raises up modern day Harriet Tubman's, mm-hmm. modern day Frederick Douglass's, modern day um, um, Winston Churchill's. Men and women who are able to navigate into those spaces, but also snatch the innocents out and get them to safety. Or men and women who come into spaces of influence where they're able to shift and transform the perceptions or the paradigms of a nation as it pertains to human and sex trafficking, to where if it is around us, the the intolerance of that thing has become so high Um, to where we stomp it out immediately and we bring those individuals that are responsible for it to justice by any means necessary. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. that through. All right. um, So, megachurch pastor Jared Wilson commits suicide at age 30. California megachurch pastor who spoke openly about his battle with depression died by suicide um, Monday night a couple of weeks ago, church officials said. Jared Wilson, 30, was a pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, where he gave impassioned sermons on mental health issues, according to the church officials. Quote, unquote, Jared also repeatedly dealt with depression and was very open about his ongoing struggles. Senior pastor Greg Lara uh, wrote Tuesday on the church's blog. He wanted to especially help those who were dealing with suicidal thoughts. Tragically, Jared took his own life. The circumstances surrounding his apparent suicide were not immediately released. Hours before his death, Wilson took the social media about mental health struggles. Quote, unquote, loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Wilson wrote, I know, ain't that heavy? Wilson wrote that Monday night prior to his death. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Wilson joined the church in early 2018 and founded an outreach program called Anthem of Hope to help people dealing with depression. Quote, unquote, sometimes people may think that as pastors or spiritual leaders, we are somehow above the pain and struggles of everyday people. We are the ones who are supposed to have it all together and have all the answers, but we are not. 
Wilson, who authored several books, including Jesus Swagger, is survived by his wife, Julie, and their two sons. My loving, giving, kind-hearted, encouraging, handsome, hilarious, give-the-shirt-off-his-back husband went to be with Jesus late last night, Julie posted on Instagram. Suicide doesn't get the last word. I won't let it. You always said hope gets the last word. Jesus gets the last word. Um, it's very, very, very unfortunate that Pastor Jared, he took his life. Um, I do believe that he had much work to do and much life left on the inside of him. But I think that his death also speaks to um, a number of things that we try to shroud in religiosity and spirituality, and that is mental health. Fam, I don't care how many tongues of angels and lips of men you speak in, we all need some help and we all need somebody. I don't care if you are a super saiyan intercessor or you are the prophet that can see through the steel walls of the Eiffel Tower and the Great Walls of China. You too, ma'am. You too, sir. You need help. So just to put a pin here, for those of our listeners um, who may be dealing with levels of depression, who may be dealing with thoughts of hopelessness, who may be dealing with thoughts of harm or self-harm, I am asking you, please, ma'am, please, sir, do the due diligence yeah, yeah. of seeking help. And I get it. Not everybody will seek help. So for those of us um, who might not necessarily be there, I'm asking you to check on your strong friends, but to also check on the people that are within your network, because a lot of us suffer in silence. Do. I felt like it was you had some more. I mean, I had some more, but Go I ahead. wanted I like, you. Fam, I mean, it's your podcast. Um, Especially when it comes down to us that are black and brown. Yeah. Um, I know that there is a lot of stigma about us going to go see therapists because we come from the paradigms that say what happened in this house stays in this house. So um, a lot of us, you know, we come from um, narratives where we don't trust the medical industry. We, we have probable cause not to trust the medical industry. But you need help from a licensed professional. Your pastor doesn't have all the answers. So for those of us to say, well, I'll go get counseling from my pastor, that is an erroneous thought. You need to sit down with a licensed clinical social worker, a licensed therapist, a licensed psychologist, a licensed psychiatrist, a licensed mental health worker. And for me, I enjoy going to people that actually look like me because there are some things that I can't necessarily explain or give words to, to individuals that don't necessarily Necessarily share um, something as simple as my ethnic group. Um, so, yeah, if you need help, find a good therapist and you are in the city of Atlanta, if you are in the state of Georgia, hit your boy up. I can connect you to six phenomenal individuals that are within my network. Now, let um, me say something. Don't be sliding in my brother's DMs under the guise of needing help for mental health. And you on that fugazi. Because that's a problem, too. Because uh, you don't want this smoke. That That's a whole problem. Let, let me say that. Um, We're we going we gonna to put a pen on the mental health piece, and then we're going to talk about this. Come up out of people in boxes. Mighty God. Both men and women. Mighty Have God. You, are y'all okay? Mighty God. We don't want you. Matter of fact, we speak in tongues against you. And God. Rabansio Tashe. Strong J. 
Y'all are nuts. And they got the nerve to be married. With kids. Like, can we bring your wife into this conversation? Can we bring your husband into this conversation? Jesus. And some of them are bold enough to walk up on you in church parking lots. Now, we done prayed you into the rafters. We done worshiped and done sat through this dry service. And we trying to go home and get something to eat. And you want to walk up talking about, ooh, you sure did pray tonight. If you don't get... We just going to start... We're going to blast people. We're just... And not every invite to go to people's churches to minister is an invite in good standard. I said I ain't taking no more ministry engagements for the rest of 2019. I'm just not. Because people are nuts. Some invites for you to come to somebody's church and go up is is actually an invite for them to take you up, out and down, in the words of uh, Chris Brown. I'm gonna take it down. You won't take me nowhere. Okay. Back to mental health awareness. Yeah. Listen, I've said it before and I will continue to say it in the context of the black family. There are just two things that you just, you don't do. You could be a crackhead. <laughs> like legit, you could be a hype. You could be out here at Magic City popping on a handstand you could do all of this all stuff of that. just don't you bring your hips up in big mama house talking about you are on Wellbutrin you on Xanax mm. you out here popping antidepressants don't have mental health issues don't be crazy and don't be gay you don't be gay them the two you better not that right you out the wheel. All right. You know, I hated that. I almost said something. My family would have disowned me. Yes! Are we going to keep this in the... You going to edit it out? Damn, your face. Oh, God. Perry. You telling your family business, Perry. all right? Uncle Perry. Mm-hmm. We need to talk through that. That needs to be an episode. That's a real thing. That's like, a real he thing. He was like whole, like whole. I don't know what we going to call it. He was whole written out of that joint. Like, that, that is a real thing. That really happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, we in are, conclusion, yeah. it is okay to go sit on somebody's couch and unload your mind and sift through it. It is nothing wrong. It doesn't make you less of a no. Christian. It doesn't make you less of a believer. It don't make you weak for my brothers. Yeah, it None doesn't. It is absolutely okay. And the truth of the matter is, I'm of the school of thought that you just may have to take a pill and say thank you, Jesus, at the same time. And if that's your jam, it's absolutely okay. Just go and get some help. Don't be out here trying to wield all of this spiritual authority and you are literally mentally and emotionally the cheese is slipping off your cracker. Like you are. Don't be out great. here screaming daddy and you you about to be right here with Ben, the mouse that Michael was singing about. Too far. Moving on. Unpopular opinion. We just about to get stoned. I just. And you I can don't, roast beef Sheila too. Listen, anybody can get this smoke. So this unpopular opinion is going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. I came across an article on social media from Madame Noir, who 
did a piece on one of the Marys, Erica Campbell, who has this new book out um, that book she's called Shackles. Uh, Put the shackles on my feet so I can dance. Just wanna, just wanna, just wanna. So she's out promoting. She's out promoting this new book. And she recently appeared on The Breakfast Club to discuss the book, which is about being beautiful inside, doing the hard work to become the best version of yourself. So in spreading this message, she said that it's important not to run from the painful moments in your life. So DJ Envy and Charlemagne the God literally hold no punches at all. Like Charlemagne is nuts. So DJ Envy began to ask her about something that she writes in the book about masturbation. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to talk about how uh, masturbation is not pure. So DJ Envy asked her, he says, you talk about self-love, you talked about self-pleasuring, and you said, where does God go when you're self-pleasuring? Erica then answers by saying, where does he go? Somebody asked me the question, was it wrong? Was it right? I know some search, some churches say for the brothers, um, it'll keep you from slipping up. Go ahead and handle yourself. I've heard some women say, I take care of myself before I go out on a date. I think about purity and purity happens before the actual action of whatever you do. Whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, whatever you do with yourself, your mind is being um, a place of, your mind being a place of purity is very critical. But I think in our society today, everything is sexualized, she says. Um, She goes on to say, you could be selling chicken and there will be a pair of boobs there. It's just everywhere. So I think that guarding your mind and guarding your thoughts and treating sex and sexuality as something beautiful that God created, that's supposed to be beautiful and otherworldly. And you come together with somebody and your lives come together. It's not so cheap. So first of all, that doesn't even answer the question. The man of God asked about masturbation. He didn't ask about sex. Um, He didn't ask about sexual intercourse between two people. He actually was talking about you exploring your body and you exploring yourself. Which she wrote about in her book. Clearly she didn't, because she didn't answer this question. Well, okay. A lot of people out here got ghostwriters. Do. And I believe that she's one of them. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. And what proves it is how she handled the conversation. This was an opportunity for you to talk through your book. Yeah. And if I write... If I write a book on intercession and I show up and somebody says, McBride, you mentioned in your book the intercessor has to forfeit their right to be right. What do you mean by that? I will be able to give talking points on that because I wrote my own stuff. Right. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. Mm-hmm. And I'm sensitive about my... Oh, Shout okay. out to Erica Baidu. Anyway, <laughs> um, the fact that she was not able to handle herself... I mean, she skated. She skated real good. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can go you can on go YouTube and listen to, it. Yeah. And listen to the she entire skated. interview yes, she did. on uh, The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are a number of things that are here that are problematic. One, when we talk about our Jesus, when we talk about the Jesus of Christianity, um, what I hate is that we hyper super saying. Savior Jesus 
but we never deal with the fact that Jesus was human. Mm -hmm. Jesus pooped like everybody else. Jesus had to pee like everybody else. Jesus got hungry like everybody else. Jesus wanted to slap people in the face. Matter of fact, he showed up in a temple with a whip and whooped some butt, right? The, the text does not go in depth about how Jesus showed out in the temple. Um, our Jesus as a man was pubescent. So as a man who's pubescent, he woke up with morning wood. Hello. Mm -hmm. His body was very functioning. Hello. Um, Jesus probably had wet dreams. Let, let's talk about the humanity of Christ mm -hmm. and the things that we deem to um, be problematic or even to be demonic. We have to understand that it wasn't always seen this way from a historical perspective. The whole purity movement was actually rooted in Puritanism that came all the way from the 1700s, mm -hmm. where individuals who had issues with their own physical bodies, their own physical embodiment, developed a form of religiosity um, that they prescribed to that they weren't able to practice in England. So they said, hey, we're going to pack up our ships and our boats and we're going to head out to the new land. They come over to the new land and they're introduced to Native Americans that they described as savages because the Native Americans had no concept of body shame. They were walking around nude. They were walking around naked. But the Puritan says, no, 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 no. We need you to dress that up. We need you to cover that up, right? That translate over into the enslavement of black and brown people. When you go over to the continent, during that time, our ancestors, they weren't concerned about vitamin. Yes, we were royal people. Yes, we dressed in the best of garments, but we saw our bodies as something that was sacred, that was worthy of being praised even in daylight. Selah, there. Right. So we come down into the purity movement um, that we now prescribe to that actually started in the 19th century. It had nothing to do with us surrendering ourselves to God, us surrendering ourselves to members, but it had everything to do with white men, um, white individuals attempting to control the bodies uh, of the uh, women. Attempting not just to control the bodies of women, but attempting to control and police the bodies of the black and brown victims yep. that they were sexually assaulting. Let's talk about that because the reality yep. is whatever um, environment that religion is placed in, Hello. that religious thought takes on the environment that it's dropped in. So, of course, westernized Christianity... Can, can I jump in there? Because of course, <laughs> westernized Christianity will take on the, the feel and it will take on the inhibitions of those who are in the West because it was dropped into that environment. Purity was never... That purity movement was never meant to glorify God and I will go, I literally will go as far as to say that. It wasn't, as, it wasn't. in a sense to glorify God in their bodies. It was to police it was slaves. To police bodies. Yeah, yeah. And just to tag on to what you just mentioned about the Christ Christianity will subjugate itself to whatever culture it is dropped in. Mm -hmm. That's true. Because going out on the mission field, yeah. just went over to Ghana. When I tell you the way that those people praise God, we will deem it to be twerking. It would be something that you would see in Magic City. And it is praise on the continent, right? And you literally feel the presence of the Lord moving in on these people, bending and shaking and, and, and gyrating their bodies in a way under God. So here I am with a westernized lens and context saying, ooh, 
if they was to come back to these traditional churches that I was a part of, the saints would jump up and say that's a demon and would try to tie them down in sheets and blankets. But over there, in the Eastern Hemisphere, it's deemed worship and the Spirit of the Lord moves in that environment. And the Bible explicitly says to the pure, all things are pure. pure yes. And to parallel that, we would look at them like, man, that's much, that's going too far, that's a demon. However, comma, they will look at us yep. and how we praise and how we worship on a westernized scale and literally what we call dances of praise have been ceremonially the dances of, the of witch doctors. Yes, they say that. Matter of fact, when I go on the mission field, they literally send us the do's and don'ts, and that's one of the don'ts. Do not dance in these churches the way that you dance in the U.S. The witch doctors actually do that. I've lived it. I know. Um, so, and 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 even even down to this whole purity movement. Um, do know that the purity movement of today was a manifestation of the White Slave Traffic Act of 1910. Um, it is actually called the Man Act, M-A-N-N Act. You can research it yourself. But it's basically where a politician named James Mann developed a particular law that stated it was illegal for men to travel across state with white women or girls for the sake of having sex with them or any other debacle or debauchery, debauchery act. Um, anything that will be immoral. Debauchery and immoral leaves a whole lot of gray space and a whole lot of gray area. It had nothing whatsoever to do with black and brown people. So let's get into this whole masturbation piece. Right? So in listening to her and listening to what she had to say <laughs> as it relates to all of it and what she wrote, it was very problematic for me because the question that she posed via her writing um, she kept saying, where does Jesus go? And there was one point where she was talking about um, the righteousness of God prohibits him to um, look on unrighteousness and that um, and Charlemagne the God began to chime in by saying that um, I don't think he just watches us do, you know, what 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 we do. And, you know, it's just that. And she agreed. And I have a problem with that because. In you skating past this this question, you actually did more damage theologically than anything because the Bible that you're referring to and the Bible that you're talking about explicitly says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil Evil and and the the good. good. Uh So so for you to pose this question of where does Jesus go, he doesn't go anywhere. He's there while you rubbing one out. He's there while you bumping uglies. We're here. We're here. Come on. While you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, Jesus is there. God is there. He's literally there. And unknowingly, you contradict the omniscience of God. Yep. And you contradict the omnipotence of God. And you you contradict the omnipresence of God. He's omnipresence. He's everywhere. He's in all, ever existing, ever present. Fam, to even take it out of the spiritual and bring it into the natural, there are documented cases that the first instances of masturbation actually takes place in vitro. So you mean to tell me that the baby who's exploring their body inside of their mother womb is wicked? 
They don't know any. They don't even understand the concept of sin. So when we talk about masturbation, masturbation isn't a matter of righteousness or unrighteousness. It's a matter of human nature. It's a matter of what is innately placed on the inside of you as a human. You see masturbation even throughout the animal kingdom. Animals masturbate. You see it in chimpanzees. You see it in, in dogs. You see it in giraffes. You see it in animals masturbate. And it has nothing to do with unrighteousness or righteousness. And some people even within the purity movement say, well, masturbation came about um, due to the fall of Adam. Um, we, we've received the redemptive work of the cross. Let that be clear. Um, it still has nothing to do with that. That is just a part of the psychology and the makeup that we were created with. Um, and to even talk about Jesus, Jesus, the scripture even tells us that he's not so much of a high priest that he's not touched by the, the feeling of our infirmities. Yo, Jesus dealt with the feelings. Yo, Jesus got horny. You're, and I know some people are like struggling. Keep, keep your hand on both wheels if you're in your car driving and you're listening. Because we will not be held responsible. Will not be held responsible. Your Jesus, he had feelings of a man. Like, he, he knew what it felt like to be a man with a functioning body. And yet he did not sin. So, and with that being said, a, he's not there, embarrassed. That, but there, when he sees you do. There was a choice mm -hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. Not to fulfill certain aspects mm -hmm. within his body. Scripture says expressly. Now, I'm not saying that masturbation is right. I'm yeah. not saying that masturbation is wrong. wrong. What you yeah. will not do is go to your pastor or be on social media and in these interwebs saying, McBride and Martin on there talking about we can masturbate. Woo, gonna rub one out. Don't do that. Because what I will do is slide up on your status and act real, real I will be reckless. Make sure you don't hurt yourself. Be one and done. Get out. I'm not saying that, <laughs> not saying that it is right. I'm not saying that it's wrong. What I am saying is there are scriptures that say that give wisdom that say that it is not wise to arouse lust, not Hello? to arise lo arouse love rather before it's time. There's also portions of scripture in Corinthians where Paul is telling us that while all things are lawful for me, not all things are expedient, not all things are helpful. So although I have the power to do something, yeah. it doesn't mean that that is the right thing for me to do. He also goes on to say that don't you understand that your bodies are members of Christ? So if you do that, should you then take them and join them to the members of a harlot? He goes on to say, certainly not. He says, listen, flee sexual immorality. Flee fornication. He says, flee. Mm -hmm. He said, you were brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which both belong to God. What I am saying is, I really think it boils down at the core of it. It's an uh -huh. intimacy issue. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Intimacy. I, I like it. I like it. 
I like it. And at the end of the day, people are going to, they are going to live with the version of Jesus and the version of Christianity that fits their lifestyle. If you feel like you want to be out here busting it wide open and telling them to bring it back, you are going to ascribe to a theology. You're going to ascribe to a gospel that fits what it is that you're doing in your lifestyle. If you are hungering and thirsting after uh, righteousness, you are going to ascribe yourself to theology that builds you up as it relates to sanctification. But in all seriousness, I just want us to put aside the machine gun tongues and quickening to think intelligently for change. Martin and McBride aren't your end-all be-all as it relates to working out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. I'm just asking you to think, if God, the Theos, created sex, which is absolutely a form of worship within the confines of covenant, marriage covenant that is, if he created sex to be enjoyed within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman, can we really say that engaging in masturbation or solo sex brings glory to the Father? All I'm saying is think about it. What would happen, sir and ma'am, if you spent the time that you take masturbating and redirecting that energy Energy, to something that will uphold and fortify your soul and your spirit? Which is intimacy with the Father. And I think that segues us into Mirror Mirror. I think that it is absolutely erroneous for a person to try to delegate traffic in the spirit um, and they fail to build levels of intimacy and relationship with the brother and sister that they can see. A telltale sign of an individual's lack of intimacy with the father is their lack of intimacy and connectivity with the brother and sister that they can see. Absolutely, because your horizontal and contemporary relationships absolutely mirror, they signal, and they point to your relationship with the father or lack thereof. If you are shameful with those that you can see, you can touch, you can feel, chances are you're shameful in the place of worship. You're shameful in the place of prayer. If you are honorary, if you are um, standoffish, if you are merciless Mm -hmm. with people that you can see, chances are you bring that same Mm -hmm. energy into places of prayer, into places of worship, and in sacred places as it relates to interaction and intimacy or the lack thereof with the Father. And if you are an intercessor and you fail in the area of intimacy with the Father, you're a liability and I don't trust you. You are a whole liability out in these streets. You are a dynamic liability out in these streets. So for those of you intercessors that say, hey, I can't be around people because my spirit is just too sensitive and I have to isolate myself in order to protect my anointing, what you are saying makes no sense whatsoever. Because the more time that you spend in the presence of God and you permit the Father to pour into you, the more that you're going to have an urge or a need to pour out into other people so that you can receive more from the Father. And the only way that you are able to authentically pour out is if you are in community around edifices and vessels that are able to receive the poor that you must share with the people. 
This is about multiplying yourself. And a lot of us have created platforms in the realm of intercession. We've created platforms in our own areas of influence that are essentially idols. They don't serve anybody but ourselves. Absolutely. I need us to get to a place where we're not afraid to build, intentionally build levels of intimacy with the Father. Yeah. The Bible says emphatically that the secret of the Lord is with the righteous. When you deal with righteousness, uh, Paul talks about righteousness being imputed rather. Mm-hmm. Um, that denotes intimacy, even when you deal with being engrafted into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. A skin graft, taking one piece of skin mm-hmm. from one area and grafting it on another, mm-hmm. that's connectivity, that's intimacy. Mm-hmm. There are even portions of the Bible where it talks about iron sharpens iron. The earmark is friction. There's intimacy, whether there is um, positive friction or there is um, friction that causes you to agree to disagree, Mm -hmm. whatever. There is a sense of connectivity, a sense of coming together, and it's time out for us settling for doing life alone. Mm -hmm. How are you a successful intercessor and you isolate yourself? Death to doing ministry and life in silos. Selah. That part. I believe this was a good show. I feel like this is supposed to be a part two. It probably is going to be a part two. Praise God. Yeah, I got time for it. Because we can unpack so much much more out of this. I just want to say for the record... Don't be out here saying that Sharday Martin or Roger McBride said that masturbation is okay. If you're going to rub one out, wash your hands. Huh? Make sure that your hands are zestfully clean. Huh? All right. They still make zest? I don't know. Oh. You ain't seen no commercials about zest happening. Nor leave a 2000. We need to talk. That, may, that might be the next unpopular opinion. Because this new age soap don't wash your body right. That's why they out here smell like Sonic Burgers. Because they don't have any Zest or Libra 2000. And there is a fine line between Sonic Burgers, somebody's armpit, and food being cooked. We smelled it the other night at that concert. Oh my God! That serve God was flapping around. I said, and why are you always? Why are they always flapping? Like, sit down. I literally came back to Roger. Like, is that? Do you smell that? Smell that? <laughs> <laughs> Work wash it your thigh the parts. Your thigh the parts. Uh, the woman of God said, "Wash your accoutrements." <laughs> your accoutrements. Shout out to Pastor Bonita. A successful Evolve You conference. It was so amazing. Oh if you God. missed it, you definitely missed a tree. Fam, her live recording. Ooh. Ooh. Listen, she when got that, the juice and the squeeze. When that record come out, y'all better go get it. Where can I find you, clown? You can find me in the trap. It's going down. Uh, All right. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you can find me um, on Facebook. Under Broderick, that's B-R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K-L McBride. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Broderick dot 
McBride. And you can also find me on my website under construction, but you can still find me there for all booking necessities. Um, and that website is BroderickMcBride.com. And where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shardemus. That's S-H-A-R-D-E-M-U-S. We get it popping over there. You can also find me at Sharde Martin Unlimited on Facebook. Um, my site is also under construction as well, but y'all are bugging me about this merch. So um, trolling is a love language. Yes. Is a thing. It is. Uh, so go. I need to order up. my shirt. When people don't support you, I'm sick Ooh, of it. Oh, don't do that. I'm sick of it. Bye, y'all. We love you. We're under oh, love. You, oh, you want to end the show because I talk about you not support. See, I'm sick. I'm sick of it. Well, shake the table. You know, bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>